everyone. This is the Blessed Hope Podcast. I'm your host, JL. And today, we're talking about the current affairs of Israel and where it's going. So with that, let's jump on into it. And once again, I just want to welcome everyone to the Blessed Hope Podcast. I am your host, JL. If this is your first time listening, I just want to encourage you to stick around. This podcast is all about encouraging the believer and getting them the know of what's going on out there. So, but with that, I'm also excited just to tell you guys, this is our 10th episode. We have done a couple episodes on a previous podcast setup. It wasn't really working out so well. So we decided to go to this new one. And the last 10 episodes have been great. This is how we're going to be sticking through. We've had a lot of positive feedback. And so we're going to be doing this. So this is how it's going to be going. So if this is your first episode, I want to congratulate you. Thank you so much for listening. Please go back and listen to some of our other episodes. We've got a great series on the armor of God and current affairs leading up to what we're going to be talking about today. And today's episode is Israel. Now, it's really kind of interesting because this episode was part of it was supposed to have been done this last Tuesday because you all know that that Tuesday's when we typically upload our podcast episode. However, due to the current affairs of Israel and their election, I really, really wanted to get the end results and we had to wait and we had to wait and we had to wait. So, uh, this was the longest I was willing to wait, and thank you guys um, for following us on Twitter where we were putting out updates about this, and I will be giving you guys all the contact information for any new listeners in a little bit, but we were able to send out some updates to everyone who was asking about, hey, well, where's the episode? But here it is, and it's kind of cool because part of what we're going over today has been prepped for a while now, and how this whole election, it just fits perfectly with God and just his marvelous plan of what he was preparing for. So if there's an episode that you need to understand about Israel, this is it. So please stick around with it. Get out a notebook, pause, pause the podcast, go get a notebook, go get a, a pen. You're, we're we're going to be flying through different things. And I want you to take some notes so you can go check it for yourself to go be that good Berean as the book of Acts talks about. So with that, if you are a new listener, you need to know how to get in contact with us. So let's jump into that real quick. Remember, if you ever want to reach out to the Blessed Hope Podcast, you can. All you have to do is email the Blessed Hope Podcast at gmail.com, the Blessed Hope Podcast at gmail.com. This is your area to send us comments, concerns, questions, or maybe you just want to say hi. You can also follow us on Twitter for daily updates at John Luke T, at John Luke T. And with that said, let's get back to the episode. Hey everyone, and we're back. That's how you find out more about the podcast. If you have questions, please jump in, let us know. We're super excited for your questions and we love that. And if we don't have an answer, we're going to get it to you. We will go out of our way to go find you the answer. We've got some cool contacts, uh, people, some big theologians, people that have got a whole bunch of study in the Bible, uh, way more than mine, and they'd be able to help us if we have questions with that. So if you got questions, send them to us. If we don't have the answer, we'll find someone who has the answer for you. But now with that said, let's jump in today's episode. We're talking about Israel. But today's episode is an interesting one because there is a whole part that we've been prepped for a couple of weeks. Typically, you all know that we do our podcast on Tuesdays, and yet today it is Saturday when we're we're uploading, and that's because of the Israeli elections. I wanted to hold out as long as I could to do it, 
and they had to go a little bit longer than I was expecting. I was expecting maybe late Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning, and yet no. So day after day, and finally I said, okay, this is what we got to go with is what we're going with. So next week, which is only a couple days away, we will hopefully do another episode where we might give a, even a little bit more of an up-to-date if it's come. But today's episode, part of it has been prepped long in advance, and I'm seeing how interesting it is because God has just woven that together. So with that said, this is a really cool, I'm super excited to do that. However, to start, we need to take a quick side left turn and we need to go over something and to kind of set the foundation for where we're headed. Have any of you guys ever heard of the book called Animal Farm? It is written by George Orwell. It's a satire on equality. Basically, it goes it's a bunch of barnyard animals. They decide to fight and push off their human masters and the tyranny and, and they, they go about without ruining the book for you, they basically, it's an interesting book going over the different political uh, avenues and things that happen. So if you please go read it, it actually has some, some interesting aspects to it, but like everything, take it back to the word of God and see what the Bible says about human interaction and politics. But the book is a political satire and it's an allegory. And the reason why I bring that up is most people understand Animal Farm is, okay, it's describing a picture of something through a story of a political design and framework framework and what's going on. And so you might be asking, well, what is an allegory? And well, an allegory, the definition of that is, it's a story, a poem, or a picture that can be interpreted to reveal a hidden meaning, typically a moral or political one. Well, I would argue that there is a allegory in Proverbs chapter seven, specifically to Israel. You might be looking at that going, really? I've, I've read that and I've never seen that. And all I'm saying is please have patience with me as we go through this. So take a moment, grab pen, paper, and, and really get ready to rock and roll because here we go. So Proverbs, Proverbs chapter seven, verses one through five. And it says, my son, keep my words and treasure my commandments within you. Keep my commandments and live and my teaching as the apple of your eye, bind them on your fingers, write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister and call understanding your intimate friend. They, that they may keep you from an adulteress from the foreigner who flatters with her words. Okay. So you might be wondering, what does that have to do with an allegory for Israel? And I'm telling you that there is. So when we go to the next part of Proverbs chapter 7, 6 through 23, we're going to find something. That there is a description that's being told to the reader. And remember, this is Proverbs. It's written in the Old Testament, so this is written to Jews. So this is one of those Proverbs that that, that the, the younger children would study and uh, the adults would study and meditate on. And this was something in the sea. And I would argue that this is an allegory for them when in regards to dealing with Israel as a nation, dealing with other nations, specifically Babylon, new Babylon. So Proverbs chapter 7, 6 through 23. And I do want to throw this out there for all the people that might be throwing out red flares. I've never heard this before. I've never heard this before. There are many, many, many layers to Proverbs. 
There is always the first layer. Proverbs 7 is a great chapter for any young person who's wanting to learn. They're about ready to go off to college. If there was one proverb that I would be throwing out there to them saying, hey, you got a young son who's about ready to go off to college, read chapter 7 with them. Let them understand and know that they're about ready to go into a cesspool of just garbage and, and of everything the Bible is against and be able to help them muddy through that water and get out of it and be able to push through it. Proverbs 7 is great for that. In addition, it's also a great proverb to understand that even hinting and getting close to sin is should be something we should run from. I mean, there are aspects that of it, like um, verse seven, I'll just read it real quick. And I saw among the naive and discerned among the youth, a young man lacking sense passing through the street near her corner. And he takes the way to her house. So just verse seven and eight is just a great hint of going, uh, of an example of going, if you know, you struggle with that sin, flee from it. Don't even go near it. Good. If you have an issue with alcoholism, don't go to your, the bar with your friends because in the end, that's, um, that's an issue for you. Um, don't, don't even be near it. I mean, if you have an issue with whatever, run, flee from it. You'd rather do that. But if you dig deeper, we are able to see that. I, I truly believe that this is an allegory uh, for that and we're going to get into it. So with that said, let's go to Proverbs chapter seven. We're going to read six through 23. And here we go. For at the window of my house, I looked out through my lattice and I saw among the naive and discerned among the youths, a young man lacking sense passing through the street near her corner. And he takes away to her house and in the twilight, in the evening, in the middle of the night and in the darkness, behold, a woman comes to meet him dressed as a harlot, cunning of heart. She is boisterous and rebellious. Her feet do not remain at home. She is now in the streets, now in the squares, and lurks by every corner. So she seizes him and kisses him. And with a brazen face, she says to him, I was due to offer peace offerings today. I have paid my vows. Therefore, I have come out to meet you, to seek your presence earnestly. And I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings with colored linens of Egypt. I have sprinkled my bed with myrrh and uh, aloes and cinnamon. Come, let us drink our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with uh, with caresses. For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him. And at the full moon, he will come home. With her many persuasions, she entices him. With her flattering lips, she seduces him. Suddenly, he follows her. As an ox goes to the slaughter, or as one in fetters to the discipline of a fool, until an arrow pierces through his liver, as a bird hastens to the snare, so he does not know that it, it will cost him his life. Okay, so you might be wondering, how does that have to deal with anything with a Israel dealing with other nations? And I'm here to tell you, we read other areas of the Bible and we can see that there's a cross connection here. So by the time Proverbs was already written or by the time Daniel is written, Proverbs has already been written. So you have people understanding it. You have people studying it. It's, it's, it's one of those aspects that Daniel, Daniel would have studied. And, and then you, you, you understand that Daniel sees into the future. He sees what's going to happen at the end times with the Israel as a nation. And Israel makes a peace treaty with a, a very, very bad individual named the Antichrist. Antichrist is going to come in and he's going to set that up. And where we find that out is Daniel chapter 9, 24 through 27. 
or Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, which we're going to read in half a second. But to kind of throw this out there, this Babylon entices Israel. And that's where we're going with this. So if you to kind of throw out there, hey, this is where we're headed with this, so you can kind of see what, what, what I'm talking about. So verses 24. 70 weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make an atonement for iniquity, to bring an everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. So you are to know and discern that from the issue of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks, and it will be built again with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. Then after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary, and its end will come with a flood even to the end. There will be a war. Desolations are determined, and he will make a firm covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and gain and grain offering, and on the wing of the abominations will come one who makes desolate, even until a complete destruction. One that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate, desolation, desolate, who makes desolate. Okay, that was a mouthful. Big, big mouthful. However, I want to go back to verse 27. And we see, he goes, and he will make a firm covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. Okay, so we're going to pause there. So we, what we see here is Israel is going to become a nation again, and they will have a covenant with this person who's going to do the abomination. You might be wondering, well, what abomination are you talking about? And, and are, are you sure? And all I need to tell you is go read Matthew chapter 24, and you can see Jesus gives a great just definition of this abomination that's coming. A lot of people like to say Daniel 9 had already happened by the time Jesus showed up, that there were there are certain historical people that that had gone about destroying and making desolate the temples and, and or the temple and, and Jerusalem during the time in between the old and new testament. However, that doesn't jive because all you have to do is go to Matthew 24 and you see that the desolation has not happened yet. And, and that, so as you read this, you understand and going, okay, well, guess what guys, this, this is going to happen one day. So they needed that third temple, but we see that there is a covenant made. There is a political covenant made. Well, you're so, and if you're still wondering, okay, I, I don't understand how the, the, the harlot in Proverbs seven is this government system, we are getting there. So please keep flipping over to Revelations chapter 18. And we read verses one through three. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried out with a mighty voice saying, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place of demons and a prison of every unclean spirit and a prison of every unclean, hateful bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the passion of her immorality and the kings of the earth have committed acts of morality with her and the merchants of the earth have become rich by the wealth of her sensuality. So if, I mean, all you have to do is go back to read Proverbs 7 and you you, you see a, a very interesting similarity where you imagine you have remember it's an allegory so that's how we're looking at this right now so imagine you have all these naive as verse 7 in proverbs 7 says i saw among i saw among the naive 
and discerned among the youths a young man lacking sense. So imagine, imagine uh, an individual going, hey, I, I saw this, this person who's representing the Gentile nations, representing that they went out, they were lacking sense. They went out and they joined them. They, they joined this harlot, the Babylon. And, and, and they, 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 they drink together and, and they, they had their, their fill together of all, everything that's bad. And well, guess what? We find out that she is leading them to hell. Revelations chapter 17, verses 3 through 7, it continues this. And he goes, And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was clothed in purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a gold cup full of abominations and of the unclean things of her immorality. Pause right there. Sounds a lot like the Proverbs chapter 7 describing this individual dressed as a harlot, cunning of heart. She is boisterous and rebellious. Okay, well, and her feet do not remain at home. Well, that's a lot like, I don't want to read too much into it, but from the political science side of me, yeah, going out and you're meeting with people, you're setting up covenants and you're setting up different treaties. Mm, Sounds very familiar, doesn't it? So let's keep go back to uh, verse 5 of Revelation chapter 17. And on her forehead, a name was written, a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. When I saw her, I wondered greatly. And the angel said to me, why do you wonder? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. And I, I want to pause there because uh, we need to understand that reading this, we see that Israel is going to be enticed to go to join these other nations because they want to be like the West. They want to have this democracy. They, they want to have this, the ability to be able to have uh, an equality of a government system that they're still allowed to be able to do what they want. I mean, that's one great thing about democracy is we're able to do what we want. In the United States, we have a, we have a republic, but we do have a, a lot of intellectual, the best way to use it is just say there there's a very strong intellectual construction within our republic of a democracy. And that's the, the best way I will leave it. I don't want to get too much into the political science of that. But I will say that, these these two systems of government allow for people to live as they want to without consequence. And that's why we see so much immorality within them. So as we're going to see coming up in Revelations 18, Babylon has an issue. And we're going to jump in that real quick. But remember, you have all these nations wanting to jump in and get involved with this covenant uh, around the world that's going to happen. Globalism is one of those big ones, everyone I, out there. You, I, I am completely okay with being a globalist in the idea of going, hey, technology, travel, uh, it's, it is completely okay. I mean, today you can, you can be a Canadian citizen, own a business in the United States, and yet you can have a home in Italy and in Mexico. That's okay to me. That's like a globalist idea of being able to go out and do things like that. Globalism, where we do away with our nations, we do away with our identities, and we have that one-ism, absolutely not. A great book, I'll just throw it out there, that I I've thoroughly have enjoyed uh, was Game of Gods. Great book, definitely go look up that. 
However, back to this, that one-ism that people are going to be wanting, that the the nations are going to want to connect together. Israel is going to be drawn to that. And we see from Proverbs 7, God is warning Israel, don't do that. This is a great allegory for this. He's saying, don't don't do that. Stick with me. Don't do that. And yet, as we're going to see, they do do that. All we have to do is Daniel chapter 9. This says in verse 27, and he will make a firm covenant with many for one week. He's going to make a covenant with them. He's going, Israel is going to, they're going to buy the goods he's selling. And he's going to, they're going to realize that the, the, the goods he's selling ain't goods. They're not good. But with that said, let's jump into Revelation 18 as we're going to see how this unfolds. However, we're going to take a quick little break to do our podcast Bible verse of the day. Today's podcast Bible verse is 1 John 5, 9-12. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For the testimony of God is this, that he has testified concerning his Son. The one who believes in the Son of God has a testimony in himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning his Son. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have the life. And we're back. So with that, let's jump into Revelation 18. And let's just jump in right at verse uh, verse 4. We're going to read from verse 4 through 24. So I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, so that you will not participate in her sins and receive her plagues. So as we can tell, at one point, there will be people who are believers who are going to be involved in this, and yet God's going to be pulling them out. So verse five, for her sins have piled up as high as heaven and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back even as she has paid and give back to her double according to her deeds. And in the cup she has mixed mixed twice as much for her, to the degree that she glorified herself and lived sensually, to the same degree give her torment and mourning. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen, and I am not a widow, and I will never see mourning. For this reason, in one day her plagues will come, pestilence, mourning, and famine, and she will be burned up with fire. For the Lord God who judges her is strong. Amen to that. And we can keep moving forward. We kind of see what's happening with the individuals who, the, the nations that basically jumped in with her. And the kings of the earth who committed acts of immorality and lived sensually with her will weep and lament over her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance because of the fear of her torment, saying, Woe, woe, the great city Babylon, the strong city, for in one hour her judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth Weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargoes anymore. Cargoes of gold and silver and precious stones and pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and every kind of citron, wood, and every article of ivory and every article made from every costly wood and bronze and iron and marble and cinnamon and spice and incense and perfume and frankincense and wine and olive oil and fine flour and wheat and cattle and sheep and cargoes of horses and chariots and slaves and human lives. And the fruit you long for has gone from you, and all 
things that were luxurious, luxurious and splendid have passed away from you, and men will no longer find them. The merchants of these things who became rich from her will stand at a distance distance because of the fear of her torment weeping and mourning saying whoa whoa the great city she who was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls for in one hour such a great wealth has been laid waste and every shipmaster and every passenger and sailor and as many as make their living by the sea stood at a distance and were crying out as they saw the smoke of her burning saying what city is like the great city and they threw and they threw dust on their heads and were crying out, weeping and mourning, saying, Whoa, whoa, the great city in which all who had ships at sea became rich by her wealth. For in one hour she has been laid waste. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, because God has pronounced judgment for you against her. Pause right there. That description, guys, was nothing about an economic system being set up. We see the capitalism, and I'm not going against capitalism. I'm a huge capitalist. I love capitalism. That's the best way for any country and organization and anyone. I mean, if you're if you're having issues, capitalism is what you want to be in. If you're a poor person, capitalism is where you want to be. You can make it. You can do it. We see time and time again, but. We also see that capitalism and uh, and I'll throw socialism, communism. I'll throw uh, there any type of economic system out there, and they're all leading towards the last and final thing, which is this Babylon. Babylon has been there since the very beginning. All you have to do is go back and read the Tower of Babel, which is the root word is for Babylon. It's the Hebrew word. They are the same thing. So. That this system is going to fall. However, it is going to entice Israel to join it. I mean, for instance, just look at the culture of Israel wanting to be like the West, wanting to do that. I mean, for goodness sake, uh, when, when the, the different musical competitions in Europe, Israel's joined them. And, and you're like, okay, okay. And, and, and there are so many other things where Israel just wants to be part of all these groups. And again, crisis, um, God is saying in Proverbs 7, don't, don't do, don't be like these young naive countries. Don't, don't do this. Follow me. Continuing on in verse 21. Then a strong angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea saying, say, will Babylon, the great city be thrown down with violence and will not be found any longer. And the sound of harpists and musicians and flute players and trumpeters will not be heard in you any longer. And no craftsman of any craft will be found in you any longer. And the sound of a mill will not be heard in you any longer. And the light of a lamp will not shine in you any longer. And the voice of the bridegroom and bride will not be heard in you any longer. For your merchants were the were the great men of the earth because all the nations were deceived by your sorcery. And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and all who have been slain on the earth. Well, guys, isn't that interesting? All you have to do is go back and read. Remember, if you read Proverbs 7 like an allegory from 6 through 23, you have this great description. And yet, then after reading Daniel, after reading um, this in Revelation, you come to this conclusion, wow, this harlot, uh, if, if you're studying, I mean, the raptures happened for well, a couple episodes ago, we, we went over going over the rapture and, and how that is going to be a sign for the Jews. This could also be an instruction for them going, we should not be going with Israel or we should not be going with the Antichrist. And yet we have. 
the seven years have begun and now we realize the mistake we've made. God said something that about this. Look at this allegory, but he doesn't leave us there. Because if you keep reading in Proverbs chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, we find this. Now, therefore, my sons, listen to me and pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For many are the victims she has cast down, and numerous are all her slain. Her house is the way to Sheol, descending to the chambers of death. I would take you back to verse 24, where it says, Now, therefore, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. I think that's a direct hint to them during the end times who read this going, man, this has all happened. What do we do? How, how do we come clean from what we've done? We've made this covenant with him. We're seeing the abomination happen. And all I would say is read Matthew 24. And we see that Jesus is saying something. And when he says, and pay attention to the words of my mouth, he is saying something specifically to them to flee, to run and pray that your time of fleeing is not during the Sabbath. So with that said, I want you guys to understand that when we read the Bible, when we read, even if you've read something a hundred times, a thousand times, like I read Proverbs, I'll read the Proverbs, whatever the date is, I'll read that date and, and I'll read that. And it's just something that I do on top of my, the rest of my Bible study I do wherever that is. And, uh, and when I, when I saw this, I was like, this is, this is an allegory. This is just like animal house or animal farm. And I was like, this is exactly like that. This is an actual allegory going over the Babylon. And the more I read it, the more I started looking, doing the comparisons. I was like, that's exactly what this can be used as. And, and so I want to tell you guys that always ask the Lord, go into your, your Bible, going, Lord, show me what you would have me see. Teach me my words. Teach me your words so that I, they may be my words and going out. So, and so the Proverbs chapter seven, verses 24. Now, therefore, my sons, listen to my words and pay attention to the words of my mouth. Amen. Have that in everything you do, no matter what you do. Now, with that said, I want y'all to know that this is all entering into what we have with this next section of going over the current affairs of Israel and how they are biting the hook. And they are going, they are right now headed towards what Daniel talked about in, in chapter nine. So with that said, we'll do a quick break and we'll jump into it. Okay, so I've had a lot of people ask me about the Israeli elections. A lot of people have been going, okay, what's going on? How's this all going? And then I started realizing something. A lot of the questions were good questions. However, they were not the most accurate questions. And what I mean by that is people, I think, were assuming that they have a presidential system when, in fact, they have a parliament. You might be wondering, well, they have a president, but they also have a prime minister, guys. And so... I'm going to jump in a little bit into the political science of this so you can understand, so you can ask the right, the correct questions. And then I'm going to go into what happened. So first off, September 17th, they were supposed to have an election. And they did. But we found something out. The 34th government, which was sworn in on May 14, 2015, the 20th Knesset, which is their basically their version of Congress. I'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, was did not last. They it got to uh, they went into to do their the next set of voting, which happened earlier, and it did not go well. They were not able to form a government. And now you might be going, well, what are you talking about? They don't have a government right now. Yes, they do, but 
they had to have a re-election. And that's what happened on September 17th. So the Jewish federations, um, it's uh, of North America, the Israeli office, they, they've got this really cool little sheet to kind of explain it all. And, and I'm going to use that to hopefully kind of help you guys see more of what a parliament system is all about. I do want to point out one thing. We will be hopefully later on doing a, a podcast episode about what types of governments can you have while not having your king and this is the only one that you can have. You can have a, uh, the presidential system or the, the parliament system. It's the only one. So I find it very interesting that Israel's king is still on his throne, and yet there's a government in charge while he's not directly ruling in Jerusalem. So uh, very interesting. But that's a topic for another time. So unlike the United States, which has, which has a presidential system of government, Israel is a parliamentary democracy. A system is more similar to that of the, what the United Kingdom would have. Israel has 120 members of the Knesset, which is the Israeli parliament. It elects them, and from them, the prime minister comes out, and the prime minister would be what we would consider in the United States as the president who makes different treaties. He's going out, and he's he's working to sign things and, and go out with, to other countries as the, the first diplomat. That's who that person is. and But effectively, it does make... Because the prime minister comes out of the parliament, it does effectively make the administrative branch and the legislative branch one. There, it's, there, there's not as much separate separation as we have in the United States. And the governments tend to be weaker in the sense that if there's a, the government breaks and dissolves where you get one group saying, hey, we're part of this party, but we're no longer going to be in your government. You don't have 100. You don't have the 60 seats to make a majority or 61 seats to make a majority. Guess what? You have to have an election. Whereas the president in the United States, in, the, in our presidential system, oh, well, if, if there's an issue, that's okay, because we're going to wait, and then on the designated time, we'll have a, an election. And so that's the way that goes. Separately, the Knesset elects an Israel, Israeli president in a secret ballot that is held once every seven years. The role of president is almost entirely symbolic and ceremonial. The president has almost no real power. And this is very much like a lot of different parliament systems out there. The Queen of England can be considered that, that the same type of thing. So with that said, there how the campaigns work. Once the Knesset is dissolved and a voting date is declared, there's usually a 100 to 120 day campaign period. During this time, their finance laws are a little bit different, but the, um, the, in, in a, they're basically the same in the sense of this is this is your go time. This is when you're going to be bombarded by all your the phone calls and people knocking on your door. And being a such smaller country, they probably have it worse than we have it here. So Americans, if you're complaining about it, just go to some of these other countries. It might be worse. However, I do want to point out something. If you are listening and you're from another country and you, you, you might be going, okay, well, JL, why are you talking, making this comparison with the U.S.? Because most people understand the U.S. government enough to be able to help share that uh, that that system. If you do have questions on how your government system works compared to Israel or vice versa, other nations, or where they stand when it comes to how we're marching towards the end times, I'd love to be able to sit down and do that. Send me an email, blessedhopepodcast at gmail.com, and we can do that for you. But jumping forward, political parties. The Israeli system is heavily centered on political parties, way more than the U.S., way more than uh, many other countries, which play 
Um, so uh, they play a critical role and a central role in the process. 45 days prior to the elections, all parties must register themselves and submit a list of their proposed candidates in order for the process to kind of get moving forward. Okay. So you have a list of your candidates and what you do is you go assign one, two, three, and they go down the list. For instance, Benjamin Netanyahu is number one on the Likud group. If I am pronouncing that wrong, I have my apologies. So whenever the very first person um, that or was second to get enough to get one vote in, second to get that one, it's him. And they, they typically, so when you're voting, you're voting for a party, but then you'll know who's going to be the most likely their person is going to be the first one if they get the chance to be prime minister, which would be that. So BB, which is the nickname for Benjamin Netanyahu, is that person for Likud. And then you have like the blue and white and, and all that. Well, we're going to get into them in a little bit, but let's keep going. So we read forming a government. This is the important part. Once the results are finalized, it is now clear exactly who the new 120 members of the Knesset will be. These 120 must now vote to support a prime minister from among their rank and who in turn will appoint ministers and thus establish an administrative branch. In order to do this, the majority of the members, at least 61 out of the 120 total seats, must form a governing coalition and agree on who they want to see as prime minister, as well as the direction that the new government should take. That is where we are right now in, when it comes to Israel and their political system. They are in the process of trying to figure that out. In Israel's entire history, no single party has ever won a majority of the Knesset seats. Therefore, coalitions between multiple parties have to be formed in order to govern. Many parties declare their allegiances prior to elections, often announcing who they prefer to see as prime minister. So once final results are out, it can sometimes be clear who is likely to emerge as the head of a governing coalition. For instance, you see that in Benjamin Netanyahu. If you were voting for the right, you knew who you were voting for. By law, after results are final, the heads of each party are summoned to meet with the president who asks them who they prefer to see as prime minister. Once all parties have been consulted, the, the president then decides who he or she believes has the best chance of securing the support of a majority of Knesset members. That potential prime minister then has 45 days to try to form a government, which Bibi failed to do earlier this spring. So what we have here is an attempt fail first one ever, and now they've done re-elections to do that. Forming a government, it involves conducting negotiations, negotiations with other parties in an attempt to strike a deal. Similar parties will make certain demands in return for joining a coalition. Yes, they make certain demands. This is one of those times where the flea wags the dog. Yes, if you have issues with the parliament system, this is typically your issue with it. Me personally, this is my probably my second biggest issue with it, other than the fact that they can dissolve a government system lickety split. So, uh, but it does have the capacity whenever you want to jump ship and go to a new system, you can, or not a new system, but a new government, you can. Whereas other countries like the United States, one side be left or right, will have to wait four years to be able to get their guy or gal in. So, yeah. So then as we keep reading, the Knesset needs to confirm the coalition and and it, it needs to confirm them essentially the uh, the opposite of a non-confidence motion. Then the prime minister and the new government after this election um, will be sworn in office. The new prime minister remains in power until he or she is no longer has this, the support of the majority of the Knesset at which point new elections are called. And that is where we are right now with Israel.
So the current government was dissolved and September 17th, we had a whole new set of elections. And so the blue and white currently has 33 seats while the Likud party has 32. However, this is late data. And so I want to point that out, that this is one reason why we waited so long, because we've actually found out now that they, they're sitting both at a tie of 32-32. Very interesting. So, but as we as we find out, and where I'm getting this uh, additional information from is Behold Israel. They have a great piece kind of describing all that. I would definitely go check it out. But for the first time in nine years, Prime Minister Netanyahu will not be addressing the world via the United Nations as he has canceled his trip due to the pending results of the Israeli election. He has scheduled to meet with President Trump on this trip. So we see there's some significant diplomacy issues that have come about because of this. But I do want to point out to everyone that the the significant difference maker in this election was the Arab vote. The Arabs and most of the other parties, including the blue and white, share at least one thing in common, the overthrow of the nationalistic party, or in this case, the Likud Netanyahu party. Nationalism is only being frowned on more and more in this world that is placing its hope in a false, impossible peace with Netanyahu, who, like Trump, understands the concept of peace through strength. So, um, end quote. So then that was all kind of talking about from Behold Israel with that. Then, uh, so we, we find out real quickly that, so basically Israel had an election. They were not able to form a government. They had a new election. And now they're in the process of, of arguing that through. Their vote really came out. In doing so, you have the Likud party, Benjamin Netanyahu, 32, and the Blue and Whites at 32. And then the rest of them, 12 with the joint list, you have a couple other ones. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce the names uh, at nine and like the UTJ um, at seven, the Shahs at six, the Dem Union at five and and the rest down four and lower. So the, this kind of helps us understand this. However, as of just a few hours ago, Israel election results, Lieberman says no agreement reached with Gans. And what that means is, Netanyahu has a chance to pull this off still. And, and there have been a lot of people wanting Netanyahu out due to the fact that he's been leading the government towards strengthening more to that Jewish um, traditionalism. And, and he's already promised the West Bank. He wants to get rid of Hamas. He wants um, to, he wants to really do some big moves that a lot of the world, I would say 99% of the world is un comfortable with and they think that there will be no peace the issue is there will be no there will never be peace with israel and that's because uh until christ comes back israel is hated and when christ comes back at the end of the thousand years guess what we'll find out that israel is still hated by so many people out there and why it's because the hedge that christ has put on them they are his chosen people he's not done with them however right now they are acting they are doing everything they can to to be wooed and to get closer with uh, other countries and get closer to that Babylonian system that's coming one day. And and with that, they're going to start making some silly um, decisions. One of those would be not electing Benjamin Netanyahu. Him right now would be the person that we should be elected. However, that does not mean that he is the, the, the good guy here. In the end, I see. I do not see him being a believer, 
And yet he is strengthening Israel and he's doing that. So God has a purpose with whomever he puts in office. If, if it's the blue and white and Gantz is put in there, well, guess what? I'm going to let you guys know right now, God will use him. Uh, God used in the United States. There are so many people that were screaming, oh, oh, Obama has been put into office. God used Obama, the President Obama. President Obama was put in there for a specific reason. And we're not getting into that today. But I'm telling you right now, God puts who he wants into the office. And we should respect that. And as believers, that's hard to do sometimes because the person who might be put in is a completely wicked individual who has nothing to do with Christianity, has nothing to do with the love of Christ. Yet God has ordained that person to be in there. However, that does not mean that we should not still act as believers, but we should be praying for our leaders. leaders. And we should be voting when it's time to vote. Get out and vote. And as Israel's finding out right now, they did not get out and vote as well as they should, while as other groups did, and they might have to deal with the consequences of that. And that that, that can be a that can be a really big issue at times. So Ravlin really wants to seek a stable government, as we read in the Herats, which is one of the uh, election things there. Um, his top aide said Friday, a national unity government is said to be the preferred option for the two major parties. Benjamin Netanyahu appealed to rival Benny Gantz to join him on Thursday, saying he will meet him at any hour. However, so far nothing has happened. And and I'll, I'll point out that we're still waiting for this government seat to, the government to be set up. And we'll see how it, how, how it has gone. Blue and White's have been set at having 33 seats while some say they have 32 and we're like I said we're still waiting on the final count I waited for this podcast as long as I could but we're finally throwing it out there and I'm gonna let you know right now Benjamin Netanyahu did not get the needed seats he needed seats he did so currently at this moment there's no form of government there's no capacity um, that I see of this going anywhere typically well because it's going to be a very weak government. However, we do know one thing that whatever happens, I can bet that this is going to keep leading Israel towards that final day of setting a Daniel chapter 9 confirmation with seven years. That is coming. Mark it. It is coming. Israel will stay a nation. Israel will still stay strong as a nation because they will be making that deal with them. And it won't be forced on them in the sense of you will do this. It will be them agreeing to it. They, they will willfully come to the table. They will be in a, in a certain degree, Proverbs chapter 7, the foolish one for a little bit. They're going to be that fool, the young, naive um, individual who comes in there at the very beginning in verses 6 through 7. However, with that said, we do know that we read in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, and I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. They will one day rejoice in the Lord and they will they will become one with him and they will realize that they missed out but 
his love and his promise, he is still there for them and he has brought them in. So guys, as we watch this, you might be doom, doom, doom. Oh, I can't believe this. Don't, don't, don't be. No, we, we, we have, we have, God is at, and he's in control. He's the one setting this up. And if you ever wonder about that, all you have to do is go read Ezekiel 38. And what I, what I mean by that is everyone likes to focus on the battle. However, there's another part of that chapter that's really cool. And it's the fact that God makes it happen. He's in charge. He's in charge of the whole thing. So same thing here. No matter what happens, no matter what the elections happen, we know we have God in charge. So do not mourn and freak out. Know that no, no matter what happens, God's in charge. Next year in the United States, the world's going to be watching as we decide Trump or, or President Trump or someone else. I'm going to let you know right now, the day after the election, we'll be doing the exact same thing. Don't freak out. Don't get all happy. Don't get all sad with whatever happens. You need to rejoice in the Lord and know that he has put whomever he wants in charge for a specific reason. He is the one we lean on. He is the one we trust and, and, and know that in the end, he is that individual that, that in the end we do. I mean, am I a proud American? Of course I am. I love my country and, and I will support until the day I die. However, that does not mean that I don't see the issues in my country and, and, and I don't pray for my country. And I know that God puts who he wants in charge in my country. Same thing goes in Israel. Same thing goes in anywhere else. Fill in the blank. Same thing goes there. So with that said, we got one last little quick thing I do want to go over, and that'll be part of our conclusion and finishing off today's episode. Okay, everyone. I just want to thank you so much for listening to the Blessed Hope podcast today. I do want to mention one thing. Remember to always be encouraged. Today's episode had a little bit of a downer with it just because we still don't know what the elections are going on in Israel. However, I do want to remind you of Titus chapter 2 verses 11 through 15. And this is the foundation of the Blessed Hope podcast. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. The same thing goes, guys. This is the Blessed Hope Podcast, and we're all about making sure you know that we have a blessing in our Lord Jesus Christ, who is our Blessed Hope one day coming back for us. And with that said, remember, you can always reach us at the Blessed Hope Podcast at gmail.com, the Blessed Hope Podcast at gmail.com. Follow us at Twitter at John Luke T. And I'll catch you guys in a couple days on the next episode. Remember, this is the Blessed Hope Podcast, and I'm JL. Keep doing what you're doing. Remember to live for the Lord. See y'all next time.